Welcome in to the first true episode of Bottom Line Baseball. I'm Alex Fuse. With me is Jackson Ryan, also the host of the podcast. And we are live from Dell Diamond Ballpark. And Jackson, we are about to see the final game of the Round Rock Classic between Baylor tonight. I think it's going to be an exciting matchup between these two teams. Baylor, Oklahoma tonight. We just saw a really exciting game, Auburn versus Texas A&M, the first time that Texas A&M has lost in this tournament, losing to Auburn today. So a little surprising there. No, yeah, it's great to first off get this podcast started with you, Alex. And, yeah, we've had a great tournament so far up at the Dell Diamond um, with Texas A&M, Auburn, Oklahoma, and Baylor, and playing three uh, three straight days, having two games, and SEC and the Big 12, two of the better conferences for college baseball. It's been exciting. For sure. And, and one thing, you know, if we'll get into the podcast about the, this tournament, well, just classic, because it's not really a tournament, you know, like a series this weekend. But, you know, Jackson and I met through Gene Watson, who's now with the Angels. And, um, you know, we just always been talking. Then we finally just said, OK, let's do it. You know, let's do this podcast. And so I'm down in Texas for the next few months. And you know, we'll be with you. Uh, the first interview goes out next week with Dr. Tom House, who is the founder of Team Mustard. And we'll talk about Team Mustard in that episode. Um, and I'm excited to get Tom on and talk with him. And that's just the first interview. And then the second interview, we won't announce just yet. Uh, but again, it's going to be an exciting few weeks here for Bottom Line Baseball in, in this podcast. Yeah, and our main focus, too, for this podcast is going to be telling more backstories as well as the news that's going on between college baseball and professional baseball because there's so many guys that have great stories that we want to share and talk about and talk about their experiences and everything that they've accomplished. Yeah, and especially more of an emphasis on the news part. You know, So if something major happens, we'll be there with an interview with someone that is involved with the news or we'll just break it down Jackson and I but let's get into it the first game that we saw at this tournament was Auburn versus Oklahoma just a little side note I think it's kind of if I'm Auburn I'm a little upset that I did not you know if I'm Auburn I would be a little upset in this tournament because they never got to play a night game no, they didn't, and they had all-day games. And obviously the last day for travel day, which you totally understand, but you know, I guess when you have Texas A&M and you have Baylor who are really close together, mm-hmm. they're going to get the better games because they may draw more fans. Right, and especially you know, Texas A&M, the designated home team this series. So I guess you know, they'll get the priority when it comes to it. And you know, they got the first two night games, and then tonight Oklahoma versus Baylor. And... Um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter, and if you're interested into figuring out who won that matchup, we'll have it on Twitter, just not on the podcast because we're recording it in between games. Um, so, what first game, it was a close one. Auburn had the lead going to the bottom of the ninth, where that's when Oklahoma tied it up, and then they ended up walking it off in the bottom of the tenth. And one of my favorite things about this game wasn't any particular moment was just the it was so nice to just enjoy a classic baseball game nine innings 
and ended up going to extras, and there wasn't a runner on second base. It was a classic extra innings baseball game, and that's what I think is nice, you know, especially for the first game back, uh, and this was our first game of the 2020 season. No, yeah, and Auburn had some chances in this game to break it open early, and they couldn't capitalize and didn't get the necessary base hits. They had bases loaded one time with nobody out and didn't score. So Oklahoma did a great job, and their reliever, Jarrett Godman, had a great game going six innings out of relief and giving up no runs to set up their closer who ended up closing the door, um, Jason Ruffcorn for Oklahoma in the top half of the 10th. And when you get those opportunities to score and you don't capitalize, it's very hard to win those games. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Bliss was – one guy that I know you especially liked in his performance that really, you can't say night game, it was a day game um, that day. And what was so nice just seeing Ryan Bliss. What a, what a great baseball name, by the way. No, yeah, he had a great three games. He was really productive at shortstop, had great hands, was making all the routine plays and ended up having a home run in this game and went three for five against Oklahoma. And so just a solid player and he had a great day. Mm-hmm. You know, and Bliss – continue to perform in the whole series and also you know just one person that's so underrated on Auburn and we'll get into him a little bit more is but Tyler Miller it's kind of like that sneaky guy in the lineup that I know I really enjoyed um seven for 12 in this tournament for Auburn and I think he's a guy that was very underrated Robert. Yeah, he was first baseman, was going the opposite way, had a couple nice hits today in the game, and so against Texas A&M the other way, and had a couple doubles, and so very productive player and very sure-handed at first base. And then on Friday night, we had Texas A&M versus Baylor, which was not really a close game at all, and Baylor was the home team in that game, and they gave up four errors. That's where things kind of went the wrong way for Baylor. Um, a couple key errors, too. And, I mean, they were sloppy. And when you are sloppy, that kind of can cost you a game. And that's what happened to Baylor the first night. Yes, it did. And also Bryce Blum for Texas A&M went three for six. Anytime you're getting six at-bats in a game, you know your offense is doing well. And he had a... RBI single in the fifth inning, and then Will Frizzle went three for five and had a massive home run in the fifth inning that went over, if you've ever been to Dell Diamond, basically on the berm in between the home run dugout in the pool area. And so he yeah. had a moonshot. And moonshot, and, I mean, people talk about Frizzle. He has, I think, the most power out of anyone in this tournament and maybe in all of college baseball, pure power hitter um, and just an exciting bat to watch in that lineup. No, for sure, and he uh, had a really good productive day today as well. Had a couple hits, so you know he had a good tournament for Texas A&M. Then we'll go to Saturday. The first game on Saturday it was Baylor versus Auburn, and this was a tough one for Auburn. Baylor would just couldn't stop scoring. Um, every time he looked around, Baylor scored another run, and. and what really kind of hurt Auburn so much was in the third, they gave up two runs, same thing in the fourth, and then four runs in the fifth. And it's like they just couldn't retire Baylor. They couldn't just get the momentum going. And that's kind of what where Auburn ran into their issues yeah. yesterday. It started in the top of the first with the leadoff batter, Jared McKenzie, hit a 
solo home run to start the game off over the left field wall. And, you know, he had another home run in the third, and Auburn had their guy going, and he just couldn't fill the strike zone. And when he did, he got hit really hard. And so, you know, Jerry McKenzie had a great day that day, going three for five and had a single as well. And like you said, Baylor's offense just couldn't be stopped. Esteban Cardozo had a nice game. I mean, all of their guys really performed real well. After, you know, the night before where they were sloppy, kind of gave up a bunch of errors, it was good to see them bounce back and have a nice day. Yeah, talk about a bounce back day from McKenzie. Went over four on Friday night, responded three for five, two home runs. I mean, you can't really ask much more for a guy bouncing back in that way. No, you can. And he had a very productive day in center field as well. Um, he's one of the better center fielders in the country, I believe. And so, you know, he had, he had really well his freshman year. Uh, before COVID hit at Baylor, he was hitting 400 for them. And but had a very productive uh, Texas Collegiate League as well for the round draw carryman. And now he's carrying it on to, you know, his COVID freshman year, you know, sophomore mm-hmm. season uh, right now at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Then we'll get to the night game last night, which after the first inning was kind of quiet. Um, Oklahoma versus Texas A&M, Texas A&M, the home team in that game. And first inning, there was that ball chant that Texas A&M fans will give the opposing team if they run into trouble on the mound. And Oklahoma had a very, uh, Dalton Fowler was their starter, and he only pitched an inning, gave up seven runs all earned in that first inning, and he felt bad for the guy because he couldn't just find the zone in the first, and it's kind of, that's when the ball kind of got away from Oklahoma right at the start. No, it did, and Texas A&M capitalized. They had a big three-run homer that inning, and, you know, when you get walks and you get hit by pitches and you get a couple key hits, you break out. And, you know, you have a five, six, seven run inning, and that's exactly what happened for Texas A&M in the first inning. And the thing about that home run by Britt was it wasn't just a, a shallow home run. It was hit on top of the grounds crew barn, I guess shed, you could shed. Out in center field. And the ball sat on top of the roof for the entire game. So it wasn't just a home run. This was a bomb. No, it was. And at Dell Dime, you're hitting it on the shed. You have some major power. And, you know, just to get the offense going for Texas A&M after they had struggled against mm-hmm. Xavier and seeing their fans come in talking about how they weren't, you know, as thrilled as they could have been from this pre- the previous weekend before this weekend. And to see them, you know, come out and – have a great game against Baylor and then follow it up with an even better game against Oklahoma. It's a great momentum and building blocks for next series that they have. You know, one thing that I think goes so unnoticed is after Oklahoma's pitching struggled in the first inning, they only gave up one run. So they gave up one run in eight innings. So it was really just that first inning that really cost Oklahoma and it will do that when you give up seven runs in one inning no matter where that inning comes from but still I mean you know Abram had four strikeouts and then Carson Atwood who's a freshman on the team had one and then you had Ramos had three so I mean all in all I can't be if I'm Oklahoma I can't be that upset because what a performance by the pitching after um, they've struggled in the first. No, yeah, for sure. And OU needs some length because they're going up to Frisco to face Dallas Baptist to face 
Missouri and Arizona next weekend. And when you're playing so many games in a row, you want to make sure you have enough pitching to get through it all. And, I mean, just like in game one against Auburn, they've had some guys step up when they needed to. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, the pros and cons, there's always pros and cons to everything. And, yes, you know, this tournament – and series is important, and you want to win, but you also want to figure out. It's so early on in the season where a loss is not going to hurt that bad. And I think games at this point in the season, you just got to figure out who your guys are. And I mean, you know, Oklahoma was were able to kind of figure out who do they have in their bullpen that when something goes wrong that doesn't go their way, who can they rely on? And there's a lot of guys that we saw last night that I feel like Oklahoma – can rely on in the future. Yeah, no, one of those names would be Javier Ramos. He had went two and two-thirds of innings last night, and to get that length, you know, out of a bullpen, and eventually he may end up being their seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guy. You know, and like you said, Alex, you want to figure out who's your setup guys, who's your long relievers, who's your closers, you know. Well, they have a closer at OU, but, you know, other than that, figure out which guy is going to be in which situation in a ball game for when conference play comes because – Conference play is what matters most to get mm-hmm. into that regional, to get a home series for a regional, a super regional, because those are very important and very viable. And also, if I'm Oklahoma, I'm hoping this isn't the last time I'm facing Texas A&M, right? So it's like you want to figure out, you know, I think it would also go on the advantage of Oklahoma if and when they do cross paths with Texas A&M again. Well, they already are familiar with the hitters on Texas A&M, so they can kind of navigate that lineup a little bit more um, if you are a pitcher on the Oklahoma staff. Yes, for sure. And then going over to Texas A&M, Bryce Miller had a great performance. He went five innings, only gave up one hit and no runs. And he was really good last night. Had about 88 to 90 pitches in five innings. That's why he didn't go longer in the game. But he was mowing guys down left and right. And he ended up playing for Brazos Valley at the Texas Collegiate League. So some of these guys have seen each other you know, from this past summer due to COVID where they weren't out in the Cape Cod, they weren't at other places. They were all playing in the state of Texas and they got that experience and they faced each other already. Yeah, and as we've kind of seen, I mean, the last game of this of this series is in just a few hours from now, but Texas A&M coming into the series was struggling. And Auburn was on a red-hot streak. They were undefeated coming into this series. So it's kind of funny because Auburn struggled the first two games and Texas A&M, we're dominating the first two games, and it kind of switched back over today. So I wonder if Auburn kind of – you can't win. You can't go undefeated. I mean, you can, but it's very difficult to do so, especially this year when you don't really know what other teams have because every single college baseball team kept, in theory, their teams from last season. And not just kept, but added strength and depth to their team. So you don't really know what college baseball teams have in their arsenal, but – kind of interesting to see how momentum's kind of shifted in day three of the series. No, and you're trying to figure out who's going to be your Sunday day starter to Sunday game starter. Who's going to be your number three guy to come out mm-hmm. in a series? And whether it's a freshman that you start or if it's a sophomore, junior, or senior. But you want to find out, you know, who can I trust in, against high-level competition? And being in a tournament like this, being in, you know, up at Globe Life Field where the Rangers hosted theirs last weekend, teams get better by playing top competition. And, right. you know, to play against some schools that are not in your conference that are really good, it can only help you in the future. Mm-hmm. And Auburn, just touching on them as we'll kind of go into the last game that we have saw or seen. And then again, um, I mean, what a great character win here by Auburn. 
Couldn't find a win in the first two games that they played, but coming out today against the red-hot Texas A&M in the last two nights, if I'm Butch Thompson, if I'm a coach or I'm a member of this Auburn team, you can't be that upset. Yes, you wanted to win more games, obviously. We would have loved to walk out of here with three wins, but it's baseball. You can, and I mean, to defeat Texas A&M, one of the hottest schools in the country right now, what a huge win by Auburn. No, yeah, they had a great performance by Trace uh, Bright. Six innings pitched, three hits, no runs. And he gave them a lot of length and let their bullpen relax, which mm-hmm. was really good for Auburn. And Auburn came out today, and they needed a win, and they did exactly what they needed to do to get that win. They played great defense today. They were very fundamental, and especially shortstop, like we talked about with Ryan Bliss and their first baseman. It was just very – sure-handed, and they made all the routine plays that they needed to make. Mm-hmm. And the Texas A&M lineup kind of went quiet um, today. And, I mean, again, like we just said, you can't come out and score seven runs in one inning every single night. You know, that's just baseball. But still, what a performance by Auburn today. And, yes, it seems like the game was kind of um, a little far away from the margin. But going up to the seventh inning, Jackson, Auburn only had a one nothing lead. So, again, that's how dominating that Trace Bright was on the mound, just really being able to quiet that red-hot Texas A&M lineup all the way up through, I mean, the first run was scored in the bottom of the ninth by, by the Aggies. No, yeah, he did a great job, like we talked about, mixing his pitches, mixing his breaking ball with his fastball, and was getting guys off balance, and they were hitting weak ground balls to short, to third, to second. And he was just mixing and matching, hitting his spots today, which he did really well. But something else I want to talk on talk about is that Auburn was trying to bunt guys over. They would have runners at first and second, mm-hmm. and they were playing a little old-school baseball and stuff you don't see as yeah. much today. I, I love that. And, and we saw a double steal. There was a point in the game that the batter tried to show bunt, didn't get it down, pulled it back, but also um, the, the – yeah, um, Auburn had two runners on base, first and second. I don't remember the situation, how many outs there were. It doesn't really matter. But they, everyone moved up the back. They stole third and they stole second. So I thought that was a fun moment in the game where it's like, yes, that's a baseball remember, not the home run strikeout walk scenario. It's the small ball. It's the bunting. It's the, the excitement that I think fans truly miss. And I think you get that in college baseball. No, you do, and you're trying to figure out, too, who's the guy I can come in and count on to get a sacrifice of over? Who's mm-hmm. the guy I can count on to steal the base? Like we've talked about with the big leagues, how it's a 26-man on the roster, but who can who can steal that base to get you, you know, 90 feet from scoring, you know, a run? Right. Or who can get you from first to second to set you up for a runner in scoring position? And there's so many ways to score a run, you know, at second way more than even at first or vice versa where you're at third, you know, and it's easier to score from third than it is at second base. And so you're trying to figure out what you can do. Yeah, and I guess the one thing I, I think um, if you don't follow college baseball that closely, I know I don't coming into this series, one of the most surprising things is that in college baseball, they now have an instant replay. And I don't know how you feel about it. I, I personally think it is what it is. Like, I understand why. They have it because, you know, as soon as Major League Baseball institutes something at a larger level, it tends to trickle down, you know, where it's like, okay, now it's in the minors and now it's in 
college baseball. It kind of has that trickle-down effect. It does slow it down, though. I mean, it takes, you know, three, four minutes at times to figure out the calling on the field, if it's going to stand or not. So I don't know. Uh, I would say maybe I'm not too excited about the instant replay. Well, if you're, this is my opinion. If you're going to have instant replay in college, you might as well put it in the minor leagues because we mm-hmm. got it at the major league level, mm-hmm. and you might as well just have it go all the way through. We're going to do instant replay at college baseball. It might as right. well just trickle on up right. through the minor league system as well. And, and I guess one thing that I'm still trying to figure out, and I don't know the whole – I think there was a – few different rules so i don't know if teams still get the challenge or there has to be the umpires to make the challenge i don't really know how it works because there was one time in this game that we just saw today between auburn and texas a&m where it was like a stolen base or something and there was a member on the texas a&m team that didn't want to leave the field and wanted that instant replay but it never came so i don't know where that kind of goes into effect yeah and then another Part we had today was a hitter for Auburn hit a little dribbler in front of the plate. Right. And the catcher for A&M uh, picked it up but mishandled the ball, and he ended up touching home while the runner from third was scoring, and he slid in, and they called him out, and they went to instant replay. But on the instant replay, it looked like he was safe, and they still right. called him out on the field. And so, you know, I don't know where it is with this in replay in college or what great views they get, mm. but – if they have it here, they might as well just trickle it all the way through. Right. And it's like also, so I'm sure like as you go down to like, you know, the D2, D3 colleges, like do they have the infrastructure to have it? Is it replay to do the standard that Major League Baseball does and have all the uh, all the things? So, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan, I guess, just yet. But let's talk about um, Texas A&M and – just their performance on the mound today, as well as Auburn's pitcher. Again, both good performances. Yeah, Texas A&M starter Jonathan Childress went six innings, gave up four hits and one earned run today. He was matching a bright pitch for pitch today. And, you know, he hit, had one mistake. Good old-fashioned pitcher's duel. No, for sure. And, you know what, at the end of the day, that was mostly the biggest difference was that one run in the fourth mm-hmm. inning because if it's 0-0 zero, zero and you're going in to the top of the seventh, it tied at zero, there's a big difference between one nothing and 0-0. Zero, right. Zero. right, you know, and I mean, it was like like Jackson said, it was kind of like that old-fashioned baseball game that you don't really get too often anymore. That pitcher's duel going to the seventh inning, a one nothing game, you had that small ball components to the game. It was a great moment where it's like, yes, this is the baseball I love to enjoy. No, Yeah, and the fans were all excited. You had a bunch of fans come out from Auburn. You had fans from OU, A&M, and Baylor all here. And so it's been nice to have people in the stands for these games and to you know get baseball back going again, yeah. at, even at a minor league facility here at the Round Rock Express. But to get you know people playing the game and have people excited about – you know, their kid doing well against, you know, Texas A&M. Or, yeah. you know, their their son hit two homers against Auburn, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just awesome to see parents and fans and, you know, alumni come out to these games. And it's yeah. been a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just been so refreshing to hear the roar of the crowd back to a level we have not heard in over a year and a half almost now. So I can't wait as – Things continue on, and, and we get the minor league baseball season back here in Round Rock, Texas. And we got baseball back today. Spring training games finally have begun. 
And it's just an exciting time of year if you're a baseball fan. Yeah, it is. And, you know, spring training, obviously, you're going to, you know, see what guys can do what and see which prospects are going to be at what level. And, you know, you're trying to figure out who you're going to have on your major league team. And so there's a lot going on. But, you know, all the people that I've talked to are excited to have it back in. You know, whether it's scouts that are here watching games or, you know, you got people in baseball, you know, at their spring training complexes or you got general managers watching games and they're just talking baseball and you want to get back to a sense of, you know, not normal or normalcy. I know we're in the COVID situation and, you know, it's not been good at all and it's been extremely hard, but, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of baseball back. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how you feel about this, but one thing that I think I'll and my opinion is, is I'm not going to watch spring training with the critical eye or probably for about another two, three weeks. Not only just because you can't really gauge too much in the spring training, read too much in the spring training, but this is a time where it's like if if I'm a prospect, I, I, I won't I wouldn't have been able to play in almost over a year now. So I think the first few weeks, it's really just going to be, okay, we're going to throw you on the mound for an inning just to get you work because I think that's one of the biggest missing aspects. But I think you want to see, you know, hey, when he's out of the box, how is he rounding the bases? How is sure. he going first to third? Is he backing up third or home? Is he hitting his spots? Um, how does his breaking ball work? Um, you know, if it's a center fielder, how are we doing cuts and relays? How are mm-hmm. we doing different other things in the game? Mm-hmm. And – you want to see that from a real-life situation. You can only do that so much in spring training on the backfield to, mm-hmm. you know, communication and PFP work where eventually you have to see it in a game and there's just a different atmosphere, you know, compared to the backfields to having a live game. Right, and I think the biggest thing that teams and, you know, front office staff and scouts are going to be seeing now is really how much work these players put in. If I'm a prospect and I didn't either get put in the alternate site or – get brought on and, and had a workout session after the season ended, and this is my first time performing in front of a scout live in person in over a year, well, it shows that if you sat around and almost did nothing in the last year, well, that's definitely going to show. But if you put in the work, if you figured out, okay, how can I still get at-bats and live A-Bs and meet up with a pitcher or whatever, a catcher, when you are on COVID shutdown, safely, of course. So it's like... It's going to be interesting to see how players, where players are from when they left and now coming back, I think, more than ever before. Because, I mean, it's going to be really telling uh, just how much work they put in. No, yeah, for sure. You're going to see guys that step up that are not on the top 10 prospect list or not on the top, you know, 20 prospect list that put in a bunch of work that were in single A. And, you know what, they may start there this year and work their way up. And it's going to be a really – Fun year and an exciting year, and I'm looking forward to having minor league baseball back. Mm-hmm. And it's about time that the minor league season gets rolling and major league baseball gets rolling. And again, like we said, it's baseball's back, and it's just nice to have it back. Um, yeah, it is. And then to have, you know, April 8th, you know, for Dell Diamond to be opening up the Round Direct Express start April 8th against Las Vegas and, the, you know, just get that sense of, you know, feeling back in the air is nice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, as we wrap up this first episode introduction, we just wanted to kind of you know, 
just touch on this series that we saw between Auburn, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Baylor. We'll be back next week with our first interview with Dr. Tom House, who is, again, the founder of Team Mustard. Do we want to talk? Do you want to explain a little bit about what Team Mustard is? Yeah, so Tom, over you know, of his 50 years of collecting data, working with my grandfather, Randy Johnson, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady, is basically going to put everything that he's done into an app so that kids can use it, that parents can use it. And so you'll get an open side view, a front side view, you'll take a video, and you'll say, you know, your head's off by this amount percentage, your foot strikes off by this amount percentage. These are the type of drills we recommend you do you know, to fix your mechanical problems so that you can have, stay healthy and gain proper mm-hmm. velocity. And so that's just a little bit about it. And we'll get more in depth yeah. in, in the interview with uh, Tom. I can't wait to just get in depth with Dr. Tom House about this. I mean, he is a doctor. So I can't wait to just hear him explain it and to figure out why he loves pitching so much. Because I think... Even to this day and age, pitching is such an underrated aspect to the game of baseball. Um, And I feel like once you truly figure out what pitching is and the art that it is, you'll be hooked to the sport of baseball the rest of your life. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is just a little teaser, I would say, of what we're going to be talking about and Mm -hmm. what we're going to be breaking down. And so, you know, starting... You know, next week we'll get in more depth in the interviews and get different guests on and, you know, just talk about what they've seen in the game. And I look mm-hmm. forward to interviewing Tom and everybody else that we'll have. Absolutely. But again, for Jackson, I'm Alex Fuse. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms and give us that five star review while listening to us on wherever you get your podcast. But thanks again for listening. And we will be seeing you all very soon.